Welcome, dear listeners, to another riveting episode of our vintage radio series where we delve into the captivating world of classic tales. Brought to life through the crackling, popping, and clicking sounds of airways of yesteryears. Today, we journey back to 1944, a time when the world was entrenched in the throes of war and the airways buzzed with stories that transported listeners to realms both familiar and fantastical. In this episode, we unravel the enigmatic narratives of not one but two captivating tales, the Chinese gong and wolf with sheepskin, both penned by the master storyteller Art Nobler. Within the confines of these tales lies a web of superstition, intrigue, and the relentless grip of the unknown. And not to mention a nice bit of comedy in the latter half of this episode with wolves with sheepskin set against the backdrop of tumultuous errors. Obler always weaves spellbinding narratives that explore the depths of human fear and the power of ancient beliefs. At the heart of the Chinese gong lies a seemingly innocuous object, go figure, a Chinese gong, whose presence sets off a chain of events shrouded in mystery and dread. Meanwhile, in Wolfwitch Sheepskin, listeners are drawn into a world of deception and betrayal where appearances deceive and trust is a luxury few can afford. As our characters in both stories grapple with their own fears and suspicions, we are drawn into a world where reality blurs with the supernatural and the line between truth and illusion becomes increasingly elusive. But perhaps the true magic of these tales lies not in their ability to captivate our imagination, but also in their reflection of the universal human experience. Through the lens of superstition and deceit, Obler invites us to confront our deepest fears and confront the shadows that lurk within our minds. Before we start, I want to welcome another new patron supporter, Austin Robinson. You superstar, you. That means you get this episode on the Monday with every other patron supporter. Thank you for your kindness, mate. You're brilliant. So, dear listeners and friends, as the crackling sound of vintage radio fills the air, let us immerse ourselves in the timeless tales of the Chinese gong and the wolf with sheepskin. Enjoy. The first nighter program. A copyrighted feature, Coast to Coast, presented by Campana, the makers of Solitaire, the new cake makeup, and Campana Bomb, the famous hand lotion. Theater time. Broadway is buzzing with excitement and eagerly waiting to welcome an opening night performance at the Little Theater off Times Square. There'll be a crowd of onlookers and autograph fans on hand at the entrance to greet the celebrities who always attend the premiere on the Great White Way. So let's not miss a minute of the excitement. It's just a short walk around the corner. Will you join me? There are lots of uniforms in the crowd tonight at Broadway and 42nd Street. Shall we cross the feet here? Well, here we are at the little theater off Times Square. Have your tickets ready, please. Have your tickets ready, please. Good evening, Mr. Persnader. The usher will show you to your box. Thank you. We'll go right in. Well, here we are, and every seat is taken. Advanced theater notices have heralded tonight's play as a thriller, packing plenty of excitement in every scene. 
with the biggest surprise coming at the very end. Its title is The Chinese Gong, and it was written by Arch Overler. Topping an all-star cast is our popular leading lady, Barbara Luddy. And opposite Miss Luddy is her guest leading man, Olin Soleil. The play is pure fiction, of course, and does not refer to real people or to actual events. And now, before first curtain, let's listen to Eric Sagerquist's First Nighter Orchestra. John, will you behave yourself? We're waiting for Mr. Wilson. He was unavoidably delayed. Well, I wish he'd hurry up. I'm hungry. Uh, what a room. Looks like a Chinese junk shop. John, how can you say such a thing? The Wilsons have one of the finest connections of Oriental art in this part of the country. I think this room is simply fascinating. Fascinating? <laughs> I think it's nothing but junk. Look, look at this thing. What's it good for? Now, John, that's a genuine Chinese gong. The chances are it's twice as old as you and me put together. <laughs> Looks like a tin soup plate to me. What it sounds like. John, don't you dare strike that gong. Oh, I'm not going to hurt it. Now you've done it. Why, George has got a nice tone. Just listen to it. John! Oh, you can't know. Don't do that. Well, uh, oh, 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 it's you, Mrs. Wilson. I, I thought you were out of the room. I'm sorry, my dear. I told you not to strike it. Well, will someone please tell me what harm there is in striking a gong? None whatsoever, Mr. Clark, but... Well, you see, this doesn't happen to be an ordinary gong. What do you mean? This gong is... Oh, here comes Bob. Hello, everybody. I'm sorry I'm so late. Good evening, Mr. Wilson. Hello, Wilson. I'm so glad you came, Bob. Mr. Clark was just asking me about the gong. Say, that reminds me. Did someone strike that gong just before I came in? Yes, dear. Mr. Clark struck it twice. I stopped him before he hit it the third time. Good. Say, what is all this? Is there something wrong with me or with the gong? Oh, everything's all right, Mr. Clark. Just a little uh, family superstition, that's all. See, this gong is, uh... Oh, well, let's forget all about it. Forget it, nothing. Young man, I want to know what this is all about. Yes, please tell us. It sounds simply fascinating. Well, I... Look here, Jean, you tell the story. I don't tell it very well. You're all right, Bob. Uh, shall we sit down? Yes, yes, sure. Well, the story of the gong begins in Shanghai. Bob and I went there, you know, on our honeymoon. It was almost ten years ago. We were very young and very much in love. Now, stay in China would have been simply perfect if it hadn't been for a certain man who decided that he was in love with me. We'd met him on the boat. His name was Count Brennikoff. The Count? Oh, how fascinating. Don't interrupt. Well, the Count's attentions to me became more and more insistent until finally Bob decided to take matters into his own hands. One night, without my knowing anything about it, Bob went to see Brennikoff to demand that he stop annoying me. The Count was staying at the same hotel that we were. Yes, please? Is Count Renikoff in? What name, please? Who is it, Juan? Well, well, if it is not the bridegroom himself. Come in, Wilton, come in. <laughs> well, well, this is an unexpected pleasure. Here, here, take this chair by the window. Thank you. Juan! Juan! Now, where did we go? Juan! Yeah, yes, please? Ah, there you are, yeah? Uh, yeah, that was the 
should have come the first time I call you. Now then, no callers walk. I do not want to be disturbed while I'm visiting with Mr. Wilton. Understand? Yes, please. Ah, you may go. Go on, get out! Ah. Well, now, Wilton. And what do I owe the pleasure of this little visit? I'll be as brief and to the point as I can, Renikoff. I came here to ask you to stay away from us. You, you want me to stay away? Yes. On the boat, we couldn't help ourselves. We had to endure you. But now that we're in Shanghai, we want you to leave us alone. Do you understand? <laughs> I understand better than you think, my young friend. <laughs> so, you are jealous, huh? My own feelings have nothing to do with this. I'm here because of my wife. You're annoying her, Renikoff, and I want you to stay away from her. <laughs> so, I am annoying a little American woman, am I? <laughs> it is most amusing. It won't be so amusing if you persist in playing the Don Juan. Great Scott, man, can't you see when you're not wanted? My wife doesn't want your hand-kissing, your cheap compliments. Shanghai is full of women who'd appreciate your expert continental lovemaking. Why not give it to them? You are insulting, sir. And you're annoying. I've been as patient with you as I could possibly be. I thought an old man like you would have more sense. That is enough. You will go. Tomorrow I will speak to the little one myself. I will tell you. You annoy my wife again and I'll hit you so hard I'll jar your ancestors. You? You threaten me? Yes, Renikoff, I threaten you. What are you going to do about it? I will report this threat to the authorities. Report and be hanged. But I'm warning you for the last time, stay away from me and stay away from my wife. Yeah. Well, well, but where have you been? I've been waiting for you for hours. I'm sorry, dear. I had some business to attend to. Bob, you didn't go to him. Well... Oh, Bob, you didn't. Yes, I did. I've stood all I'm going to stand from that hand-kissing four-plusher. What did you do? I told him to leave us alone from now on. Oh, Bob, you didn't. Certainly I did. Gosh, Jeannie, now you're not going to be angry at me, are you? Angry at you? Oh, Bob, I've never been more pleased in all my life. Oh, you don't. That big ape. He might have been God's gift to the women on the Volga, but he certainly is the pest of Shanghai to me. Well, I guess I settled that. I'm sure he won't spoil our honeymoon anymore. Spoil our honeymoon? Oh, Bobby, how could anyone spoil that? I love you so. I love you. Oh, Bob, I'm so happy. It's been the most glorious honeymoon a woman ever had. Mm, it has been great, hasn't it? You'd only stay like this forever. You, you mean here? In China? No, you silly. I mean so terribly, terribly in love. We will stay in love, Jeannie. I'm going to see to that. Yes, Bob. You see to that no matter what happens. Jeannie, the trouble with you is you've been cooped up in this hotel room too long. Come on now, get dressed. We'll go places. Oh, no, Bob. I'd rather stay in. Stay in nothing. You realize we've been in Shanghai almost a week and you haven't even bought a souvenir? Haven't I? You know doggone well you haven't. Gosh, Jeannie, that isn't normal behavior for a woman. Come on now, get dressed and we'll go shopping. I'll buy you anything. Anything at all. From a Chinese pagoda to a chop suey factory. From Hollywood to New York and right across the country, girls and women are saying... Goodbye, winter. Hello, springtime. I'm changing my complexion. Yes, I'm facing the world with a dewy, fresh, solitaire complexion because I love its thrilling smoothness, its springtime color tones. And when it comes to hiding freckles and small skin blemishes, solitaire is just too clever for words. I know, too, when I use solitaire, my makeup will look fresh and faultless for hours and hours without redoing. So won't you join me in a beauty salute to springtime? Greet Easter with one of the most important changes you can make in your appearance. A thrilling, exciting change in your complexion beauty. 
Once you try Solitaire, Campana's new cake makeup, you'll want to start every day with the long, lingering loveliness of a Solitaire complexion. For nighttime dates, Solitaire will give you a bewitching charm that you never dreamed possible. And is Solitaire kind to your skin? Adorably kind, because Solitaire has a rich lanolin base that helps prevent skin dryness. All right, ladies, isn't that a challenge to match the new season's loveliness with a new loveliness of your own? Ask for Solitaire cake makeup in any one of six flattering shades. And remember, Solitaire gives you a big compact, three inches in diameter for only 60 cents. There's also a handy 25-cent trial size. Insist on Solitaire cake makeup containing lanolin, a product of Campana. And here's the second act of The Chinese Gone. But, Bob, we simply have to buy something. We've thought over practically everything the old man has in the shop. Yeah, but his prices, Jeannie. I'll bet he doubled them the minute he saw us coming. Shh, you're coming. Here, monsieur, a bracelet I speak of. Handcuff, good jade, no glass. Oh, they're beautiful. Very cheap. Fifty dollars. Fifty dollars? Now, look here, Mr. Suntai. We'd like to do business with you, but get this straight. We're not millionaires by a long shot. Too much money? Well, that's the general idea, yes. All right. $45. No, really, Bob. I don't want the jade at any price. Listen, Mr. Tai, what we would like is something we can take home with us to use around the house. I mean, a vase or a lamp or something of that sort. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, look-see. Very fine vase. Very old. No, wait. It's gone. How much is it? No, no, gone. Yes, yes, gone. Mrs. Wilton wants that gone. She gets it. How much? Well, wait, Bob. I, I want to hear the tone first. Oh, that's beautiful. That's all right. Hit it again. Oh, I want this gone, Bob. Shh, not too enthusiastic. You want a million bucks for it. Well, come on, now. It's my turn. Let me hit it. No, no. No more. What? You mean you don't want me to hit it again? No, no. No hit. One time, all like. Two time, all like. Three times, no good. You mean it's bad luck to hit the gong three times? Yes, Missy, bad luck. Very bad luck. Huh? Terrible thing happen. Oh, yeah? All right, what's the bad news? How much? You want to buy? Sure, I want to buy. How much? Fifteen dollars. So, Jean, the gong's yours. I'm, I'm not so sure I want it now. What, you mean because of what he said? Mm-hmm. Ah, forget it. That's one of those silly superstitions. Come on, Mr. Tai, wrap it up. We're taking it with us. All right, Mita. But don't forget. Don't never hit gong three times one day. Bad luck, Mita. Very bad luck. Will you please get away from that gong? Gosh, Jean, this thing intrigues me. What do you say we swat it again and see what happens? Now, Bob, you don't really think anything would happen, do you? Well, don't forget what the old man said. Don't hit three times one day. Very bad luck. Terrible thing happened, Mr. Terrible thing. (laughs) Bob, wouldn't we be embarrassed if you hit it and the hotel caved in? Yeah, wouldn't we? Me and my pink pajamas. That'd be terrible, all right. Mm. (laughs) Well, go on, hit it. Uh, You mean, uh, 
Is it gone? Certainly. Maybe it'll start a nice, exciting earthquake. Or don't they have earthquakes in Shanghai? Mm. Well, what are you waiting for? Well, I was just thinking. Bobby, <laughs> don't tell me you've lost your nerve. Well, gosh, Jeannie, it isn't a matter of nerve. But I was just thinking, after all, this is the Orient. And funny things do happen. Oh, you big baby, give me that mallet. Well, now hold on to your hat because I'm going to give this gong the fatal third stroke if it's the last thing I do. Here it goes. You did it. Yeah, I did it. Well, when does the excitement start? When does this? Oh, Bob. I'll go see who it is. Yes? What? Mr. Robert Yeltsin? Yes. I am from Shanghai Police Department. You will come with me, please? But, but why? I have here one for your arrest. You are charged with the murder of Count Nicholas Lenica. Isn't there something I can do? I'm afraid not, Mrs. Wilson. All we can do is wait. Oh, and Bob in that filthy cellar. I can't bear it any longer. Please try to control yourself, Mrs. Wilton. You make it very difficult. I... I'm sorry. As your lawyer, I assure you I've done everything possible. But, well, to speak bluntly, the law must take its course. But Bob didn't kill Renikov. I know he didn't. Of course he didn't, Mrs. Wilton. But I assure you there's nothing further I can do. We can only wait. Wait, wait. I'm going crazy waiting. Day after day in that hotel room, I... I tell you, I can't stand it anymore. Why won't they believe Bob? He didn't kill that man. Everyone knows he didn't. Unfortunately, Mrs. Wilton, the evidence in the case indicates otherwise. What? Now, please understand me. I'm not saying that I believe the evidence, but there it is, and it's quite damning, to say the least. Your husband was overheard quarreling with Count Renikoff. He threatened the man with bodily harm, unless he ceased his, might I say, unwelcome attention to you. But that doesn't prove anything. No, perhaps not. But a few hours later, Count Renikoff was found murdered. A knife in his back. And on that knife were the fingerprints of your husband. Oh, no. I assure you I'm telling you the facts, Mr. Wilson. Your husband's fingerprints were right there on the handle of the dagger. I saw them there myself. But, but, but that's impossible. Quite. And yet it's the very evidence that will put a noose around his neck. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. It's best to face it now, I know. Bob will hang unless we do something. I know he will. Those fingerprints on the dagger. I tell you, it's almost as if some power of evil had put them there. As if some supernatural... Why, Mrs. Wilton, what's the matter? I... I just remembered. What? Speak up, child. It, it was nothing. Nothing at all. Oh, let's say you gave me a bad time for a moment there. Your face went so wide up that something was wrong. I say you had a pretty rocky time out of it, haven't you? Look here, my child. Why don't you appeal to the American consul again? Perhaps he can do that. I just came from the consul. Oh? He, he says there's nothing he can do. Yes, I expected that. Count Renikoff is a very influential figure in Chinese nationalistic circles. He issued, you know. If the American authorities try to interfere, well, all sorts of international complications might arise. International complications? What do they mean to me? It's Bob I want. You have three minutes. 
In that case. Bob. Oh, jeez. Oh, Bob, what have they done to you? So thin, so white. No, I'm all right. Really, I am. Oh, my darling, let me hold you close. Oh, Bobby, what happened to us? We were so happy. It's that gong, Jeannie, that confounded Chinese gong. Oh, no, Bob, that can't be it. It, it just happened, that's all. I'm half crazy with worrying. Tomorrow they're going to try me for murder. Gene, me, Bob Wilton, murderer. Oh, Bob, please. I'm sorry, dear. These weeks in this filthy hole, I'm just not myself, I guess. Oh, my darling, what a horrible honeymoon I've given you. Oh, no, Bob, please don't say that. Those days we had together, let's not forget them. Glorious days, and, and we'll have them all over again. I know we will. Yes, Gene, we will. I'm going to be brave, as brave as you are. The one thing that's kept me sane all these horrible weeks, knowing that you were outside, waiting for me. Yes, Bob, I'm waiting for you. I'll always wait, darling. And the curtain comes down on this international tonight's play in the little theater off Times Square. Smoking downstairs or in the outer lobby, please. Everywhere you go, women are doing extra work, subjecting their hands to extra punishment. Yet have you noticed how some women keep those busy hands well-groomed, soft and youthful-looking? You can do it, too, by choosing original Campana Balm when work and weather threaten to make your hands look coarse and unlovely. Begin tomorrow using original Campana Balm before you start work as protection against dirt and grime. And be sure to use it every time after your hands have been in water also to help bring back the soft, adorable smoothness that your skin loses when you scrub it frequently with soap and water. Original Campana Balm acts so quickly and with such positive results that you, too, will soon be calling it the before and after lotion. Remember that smooth, protected, unchapped hands add to your efficiency, bolster your morale, and please the man who holds them. Lack of certain basic ingredients for a while caused a shortage of Original Campana Balm. We're happy to say that these ingredients are again available, and your dealer can now obtain supplies of Original Campana Balm. If he does not have it, ask him to order it for you from his wholesaler. If you prefer a lighter lotion, ask for the new Campana Cream Balm, the creamy lotion with lanolin. Be sure you get either original Campana Balm in the green and white carton or the new Campana Cream Balm in the yellow and white carton. Want to see you, please? No, no, I, I don't want to see anyone today. He say not. Please, Missy. All right, show him in, whoever he is. Thank you, please. You come in, please. Well, what is it? What can I do for you, Mr. Suntai? You remember me, please, Suntai? No, I, I'm afraid I don't. Oh, yes, I do. You're the old man in the antique shop. That's right. I saw you gong. Yes, you, you did sell us the gong, didn't you? Yeah, I sell. Well, what is it you want? I I don't want to buy anything. Soon I no come sell. Then what do you want? Mr. Wilton, he very much trouble, no? Yes. Last tomorrow looking very bad, no? Yes, very bad. Mr. Wilton, 
No kill that man. No, no, of course he didn't. No. Please go away. I'm very tired. I'll see you some other time. No, no, wait, please. I help. You can't help it. No one can help it. No one. Please, Missy, don't cry. I help. Mr. Wilton, good man. Lenikoff, Eva. I know. Please go now. No, Missy, please listen. Soon tie very old man. He know many things. He know Mr. Wilton, no kill man. But what good does that do? They're trying my husband for murder tomorrow, and neither you nor I nor anyone else can stop them. Oh, yes, please. Soon tie stop. What do you mean? Soon tie know who kill Eva what. You know who killed Renikoff? Yeah, I know. Who? Tell me. Who? My son. Your son killed Renikoff? Yeah. My third born, Wong. Wong Lenikoff's servant. Lenikoff, evil man. He beaten Wong many times. Wong killed him. But, but my husband's fingerprints were on the knife. I know. Wong, tell me. Mr. Wilson, come talk, Lenico. Mr. Wilson, very angry. He picked knife up from table while right talk. Put knife down. Go away. Wong wear kitchen glass. No show a knife. Well, I see. Bob handled the knife while he was talking to Renikoff, but in his anger he didn't realize it. Yeah, yeah. And when Bob went away, Renikoff hit your son. Your son stabbed him. And since your son was wearing gloves, only Bob's fingerprints appeared on the knife. That lie. Oh, Oh, but what's the use? The police will never believe that. Oh, yes, police will believe. See, Wong like everything down on paper. You mean that's a confession? Yes, please. Wong like everything. Chinese. Police, savvy. But, but I don't understand. Your own son, they'll hang him. Ah, no hang Wong. Wong, good boy. China so big... Won't go far away. But why, why are you helping me, a stranger? My family very old, very humble. No can see good man die. So I come see you. Oh, bless you. Bless you. Oh, no, 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 Missy, please, no cry. Everything fixed. Everything all right. Goodbye, please. <laughs> We're on our way. Yes, Bob. On our way home. That's a grand word, isn't it? Oh, Bob, dear, put your arm around me. I always want to remember my last glimpse of China like this. You beside me, your arm tied around me. China. I suppose I should hate the place after what happened to us there, and yet somehow I don't. Of course you don't. We'll always remember China. Not for those terrible weeks, but because of what we've been through. It's brought us so very close together. As if we'd been married for many years instead of just a few weeks. Yes, I guess that's right, isn't it? We are close together, aren't we? Oh, yes, Bob. We're going to stay that way forever. Well, dear, I forgot to ask you, that gong, what did you do with it? It's down below in one of the trunks. You, you mean to say you didn't throw it away? Well, of course not. Why should I throw it away? Well, because of the bad luck it brought us. Don't tell me you've forgotten already. The gong didn't bring us any bad luck, Bob. 
It was a stroke of good luck, our buying it. How do you figure that? Well, if we hadn't gone to Sun Tai for the gong, he'd never have known who we were. He'd never have come to me with his son's confession. Well, that's one way to look at it. But believe me, I'll never strike that gong three times again. You can bet on that. There's the story of the gong, folks. From that day to this night, Bob and I have struck it three times. Uh, we're not superstitious, no, but... but we know when to leave well enough alone. Right, George, that was an interesting story. Oh, wasn't it, though? Oh, John, just think what might have happened if you'd hit it a third time. Yes, hey. I'll have to admit, Mrs. Wilson, that I'm glad you stopped me before I struck this thing. It certainly was a close call. I had my hand raised like this. John! You hit it. Uh, I didn't mean to. Oh, heavens, that was the third time. What will happen now? Well, I don't know, but... Bob, it happened. Just like that night in Shanghai. I, I'm going to think. Come in. Well? What is it? Just for heaven's sake, speak up. What is it? What's happening, Jenkins? Beg pardon, madam, but dinner is... Uh... Campana's First Nighter Program. From the Little Theater of Times Square. Starring Barbara Luddy and Owen Soule with an all-star cast sent to you by Campana, the quality name in cosmetics. Theater time on the Great White Way. And an opening night performance is scheduled for your entertainment at the Little Theater of Times Square. And what a celebrated audience of First Nighters we're sure to see. Now... Here's our genial first-nighter, our host for the evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This promises to be an exciting night. My cab is waiting. Won't you step in? All right, driver, to the little theater. Up Broadway, the brightest nightlife street in the world, and across 42nd Street. And there, just ahead, is the little theater off Times Square. Here we are. Yes. Hey, look like the warmer girls around that camp. He must be Van Johnson. I think I see Howard Hughes. Hey, that yeah. must be Hedda Hopper under that hat. Ticket ready, please. Have your ticket ready, please. Good evening, Mr. First Nighter. The usher will show you your seat. Thank you. You'll go right in. Here we are in down front seats, ladies and gentlemen, with just time to look at our program. Tonight's play is a comedy entitled Wolf with Sheepskin, written by Jack Kelsey. And it looks like a superb cast for comedy. Barbara Luddy and Olin Soleil do the honors in the lead roles. Miss Luddy playing the part of Betty Herbert, and Mr. Soleil in the role of Professor Algernon Rigg. In the all-star supporting cast are Jerry Hausner as the Duke of Brooklyn, Ken Christie as the Earl of Chicago, Ed McDonald as the Killer, and other famous names. And now, before first curtain, let's listen to Frank Worth and the famous First Nighter Orchestra. Room in the house. Yes, it is, but I'm afraid. Hey, I heard it was an old dame ran the joint. Mrs. Herbert. Mrs. Herbert is my aunt. She's on vacation. I'm inside. Ah, I'm gonna like this job. 
You got a room? I'm sorry, no. And I don't think you'd be happy here anyway. Oh, why not? Well, our clientele is very quiet and refined. They all work during the day. Well, that's why my boss picked this place. Why don't you figure on refined? I uh, couldn't help noticing the racing form sticking out of your pocket, and that bulge under your arm. Uh, did you ever carry a rod in your hip pocket, sister? Well, it is very uncomfortable. Uh, Miss, uh, uh, what's your name? Betty. Uh, now, 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 look, I- I'm rather busy just now. Well, leave us be refined, Betty, huh? I am called Duke, and here comes my pal, the oil. Hey, look, Duke. Huh? There was Dick. Dick's hanging around the killer's train from him. Huh? So I slipped him a piece of paper with his address on him. Okay. Yeah, just so long as he gets your martini, he's going to be happy. Dry martini? The gangster? Yeah. Uh, oil? Uh, was the killer disguised like the boss said? Yeah, yeah. Wearing big horn rimmed specs. Carrying a briefcase. I chased him right off. Uh-huh. Big guy. Good looking. Uh-huh. I'll have to ask you the gentleman to leave now. Duke, what's this to me to bother you? Please do not pull a rod on a cute cookie like Betty unless you take your hat off, Oil. Well, okay. He's going to give us a room for this out-of-town box man, won't you, Betty? What's a box man? Well, you know, he opens safes when the owners ain't around. <laughs> now, this character's got 20 grand, see? Half of which dough belongs to my boss. And he's coming here to make the split. Well, that's very honest of him, I'm sure. Yeah, the killer is being looked for by certain parties, see? So Martini picked your joint as a hideout until the dough is divvy. You get it? Mm, I'm afraid I do. Would that be him or he? The, the killer? Huh? Glasses and a briefcase. Yeah, that is him or he. I, uh, I beg your pardon. I believe you have a room available. Well, I... You I... heard what that guy said, sister. Why, how nice. The very man who directed me at the railroad station. Oh, you said the young lady's heart of you. Not at all. Your friends have arranged everything. Will you sign the book? <laughs> I hardly anticipated the ease with which my simple needs would be met. Gee, would you get a load of that talk? What do you like? When we're forced to, we can sometimes find room, Mr. Red. Oh, I beg your pardon. Professor Riggs. Is that what he wrote in the book? Yes. Professor Algernon Riggs. It amuses you? <laughs> I'll say. Did you think it up yourself? No. No, I understand that my mother, under the deplorable spell of the romantic fiction oh, of her day... Oh, brother, you're okay. This get-up would fool the smartest cop in town. Well, allow me to rise to the occasion, Professor. I am the Duke of Brooklyn. This is the oil of Chicago. Aye. And this dame here is Miss Betty Hoybert. Now, leave us lay off the jokes, Duke, and make sure the uh, professor is willing to... Uh... Oh, delighted, gentlemen. Merely name the time and place. Ah, you see? He's okay, Earl. You gonna put the briefcase in that safe behind the desk? Oh, no, the contents are too valuable to let out of my hand for a moment, you. Ah, maybe you're right. Uh, Show him to his room, Betty. We'll stick around. Well, just let me get the key. I think I shall enjoy my stay in your colorful establishment, Miss Hoybert. Oh, yes, we have such fun. Before you came in, I thought I was going to die laughing. This is your room, Professor. Please step in. After you, Miss Hybert. You don't take any chances, do you? Uh, do you think you should close the door? We're completely unchaperoned. Well, I'm well protected now, thank you. And if you move, I'll shoot. Good heavens. 
You've got a revolver. Yeah, we keep it behind the desk for emergencies like this. You can drop the act now, Killer. I know all about you, and I'm going to relieve you of your rod, as your friends downstairs would say. But I haven't got it. Uh, Miss Harbert, <laughs> please, you're trickling me. <laughs> but you haven't got a gun. No. Are you what they call a gun doll, Miss Harbert? The word is gun mall, and certainly not. Well, then why did your confederate direct me here from the railroad station? So you could lure me to this room and hold me up? You say, mm, don't you move a step. You have very large, kindly eyes, Miss Harbert. I don't think you'd shoot me. I'm going to raise that window and shout for a policeman. You'd go. Well, then you aren't really the killer? Most certainly not. I am Professor Algernon Riggs of the State University. How can you believe otherwise? Well, your disguise did seem awfully cute. When you called me Miss Hoybert, I thought you'd slipped up. Well, isn't that your name? Oil introduced you as... Earl introduced me as Miss Herbert. Oh, oh good heavens. Of course, the local dialect. <clears throat> I, uh, I hope it's not habit for me. What about the $20,000 you promised to divide? I? I said that? You distinctly said, name the time and place. For dinner, my dear girl. They invited me to divide a, a cabbage with them. <laughs> and I'm distinctly fond of corned beef and a green, a leafy a vegetables. Hand me your briefcase. If you're a professor, there won't be any $20,000 in it. Oh, this is ridiculous to say nothing's embarrassing. Let's see. Two shirts, three pair of socks, shorts with red stripes. Well... For a professor. Uh, Miss Herbert. Uh, Herbert. If you if damage... you be quiet. What have you got wrapped in this paper? If you damage that in any way, I shall never forgive you. Oh, you are the killer. Stand back. Don't move. You, you fiend. Well, how, how does an old bone wrapped in paper make me a killer? Who else would carry a bone around in a briefcase? <clears throat> that happens to be Dr. Small's tibia. <laughs> you're... You're a victim? Uh, no. No, it isn't exactly his tibia. It belongs to his museum. He loaned it to me for a thesis I'm writing on the dinosaur. The what? A large lizard that died thousands of years ago. Preposterous to accuse me of having had anything to do with his death. Oh. Young woman, Betty, what are you doing? And I thought you were dead. No, 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 no. Calm down, Betty. Oh, your hair is lovely. Soft as my fighter's fur. I'm all right now. <laughs> Thanks for the use of your shoulder. Oh, pleasure, I'm sure. <laughs> but I do feel like telling those men downstairs a thing or two. Oh, and I'll please try to understand, Professor Riggs. They're gangsters. They're not going to like us when they find out you're not the killer. They might even shoot us. Oh? Well, I, uh, I shouldn't like to die now. Uh, that is, now that we've met. You're, uh... <clears throat> well, I mean to say... Uh... I think you're cute, too. <laughs> What was that you said about my hair? Soft. Soft as Mephitis first. Mephitis? Latin zoological name for the skunk. <laughs> Be careful. Give me that gun. And the curtain comes down on the first act of the right play in the new theater on Times Square. There's the end of act one, ladies and gentlemen. And here comes the message you'll want to hear from Larry Keating. Yes, ladies, here is news you'll love to hear. So listen carefully. 
Your favorite pre-war hand lotion, good, dependable, quick-acting Italian balm is back again. Yes, Italian balm, that's exactly what I said. You can believe your ears. I said Italian balm is back again. There it is, at your favorite store today, just like it used to be. As you know, Italian balm could not be made, except for just a minute quantity, during the war years. Its fine, precious ingredients weren't to be had. But now, just step into your nearest store and say... Please give me a bottle of Italian balm, and you'll get it. It's the same famous lotion that you love so well, made exactly as it used to be made with every one of its original ingredients. You'll recognize it in a minute by its famous green and white cloth. You'll try it on your hands and arms and elbows to make sure that it's just as good as you remember it. And sure enough, it is. So soothing and quick softening to dry skin. So different. So dependable for helping your skin to stay softer smoother, prettier, no matter how much work your hands may do, nor how hard the water is. Yes, it's the same lotion about which you've said so often, it just has no equal. And mark this fact, too. The price is the same pre-war price. Same quality, same quantity, same price. So do this, won't you? Get your bottle of good, rich, concentrated Italian balm tonight. It's back again. Twenty uh, twenty uh, twenty G's. Uh, thank you, Betty. With twenty G's, 
uh, my racket is zoology. I'm lugging a, uh, mm. how would you translate tibia, Betty? You've got me. Uh, uh, lettuce? Cabbage? Dough? It has given me a headache, Duke. The boss is waiting. Uh, you know, Royal, I ain't had such an interesting conversation since we took Benny the bookworm for a ride. Fun, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, killer, don't think this ain't been fun, but we got a slam. You plan to return? Ah, uh, stay hold up till we flip you to away, pal. And killer, thanks for cooperating. But good heavens, man, how have I cooperated? That rod in your pocket, pal. If you was going to make trouble, you'd have pulled it. Well, be seeing you. So, uh... Good heavens, buddy. I still have your revolver in my pocket. I don't think you realize what a narrow escape we've just had to set Oh, perhaps we should call the police, buddy. Well, we don't need to. But, Tim, we found his tibia, you know. And I refuse to leave you in danger. Oh, that sweet of you, Algie. Now, we'll never see those two again. Would you like something to eat? Oh, first I must call Dr. Small and tell him what I am. And then, Betty, you know what might be invigorating? A good dip cup of tea. Your little cakes are delicious, Betty. Sorry, I can't give you the Latin name or the chemical formula. Uh, the longer I know you, the more amazed I am. Beauty, domesticity, perspicacity. Mm, I bet you say that too, all the girls. You know, Betty, my life at the university is rather lonely. Even you have been... Well, that is... <clears throat> I mean to say... Professor, not at a loss for words, not you. Oh, no, indeed. It's merely that you do something to my bloodstream. Probably increase the adrenaline content. You are so romantic. Funny, though. I like you in spite of yourself. Oh, the bell on the desk. Somebody came in to lobby. Well, shall I uh, come along? Thank you, Ma. I'll be right back. Oh, dear. What's the matter, lady? Seen a ghost? Those glasses, that briefcase, I thought for a minute I was seeing double. Yeah, what's wrong with them? You, you must be the killer. How do you know that, lady? Well, you were expected earlier. Two of the... Boys, arranged for your hideout. Ah, that's what Martini said a minute ago on the phone, see? His gorillas are supposed to meet my train. You one of his mob? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got from way back. The boss wants I should put that 20 grand you got me to face here. Ah, ain't much you don't know, huh? Me and the big shot were like that, see? Give me your briefcase. Well, I don't know. Here, what's that? Oh, one of the mugs put boards here. Give, give me your case. I'll put it in the safe while you get behind the gate at the window. We don't want him to see you. No, that's right. Well, they don't give me no double cross. Ain't that that? Just a second, Professor. I mean, yeah, come on in. It's time for me to leave now for the museum, Betty. Or weren't you talking to someone? I was talking. I was jabbing with a mug, but he landed. I beg your pardon. Algernon, please take your tibia and scram. Scram? Betty, perhaps I should warn you that your companions play an important part in forming a vocabulary. Perhaps. Oh, oh, my dear girl, you don't need to throw my briefcase at me. Will you take it and get out? Yes, but I'll be back as soon as I can. Oh, I wonder if I can ever understand women. You can come out now, killer. Ah, uh, I couldn't make out what you said from back there. What was that about a briefcase? I had to put it away in the safe while I was talking with that guy. Here, let me show you. 
Here's your briefcase. No, Ty. I'll lock it up. Oh, God. I right, figured I'd get me a bite to eat before that. Uh, hello? Oh, Dr. Small. Yes, Professor Riggs, just a minute left to meet you. Oh, hold the line a minute, please. I have to be polite to these mugs. You can get a good cup of java right across the street, sir. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'll grab one and then come back. If Martini's gorilla show up, you tell him where you can find me. Ah, uh, here you go. Oh, Dr. Small, now, please listen carefully. It's a matter of life and death. When Professor Riggs arrives, you're going to find money in that briefcase instead of that hard old bone. Well, I know you don't understand, but I just switched these cases with a gangster. Algernon has the gangsters, and I have your tired old tibia here in my face. Tell him to get the police. I, I, I can't talk anymore. Hey, we just seen a very funny thing, Betty. Well, how is it? Isn't it the Duke of Brooklyn and the Earl of Chicago? Yeah, and like two kids, we would have won, would you? Yeah. You see, we are walking down the street, when all of a sudden we see two killers. Two. Yeah. One of them gets in a taxi, the other one goes in a restaurant. Well, that's silly. You must be seeing double. Well, this is very possible. We are very nervous. So we call Martini on the phone, and he throws a nerd at us. He says to get back to him and collect his dough, and no mistake. Or he personally will kick our cheeks down our throat. So you better get it up, Cookie. You mean you want the briefcase and the money right now? Yeah, before we begin to see three killers instead of two. I'll get the dough out of the safe and we'll split it. Right this very minute? Why not? This is the payoff, Betty. We got to get half that cabbage and no bones about it. All right now, ladies. Here at the end of Act Two is Larry Keating to remind you, remind you that your old favorite hand motion, Italian Bomb, is back again. And over this first night of program, here in the little theater off Times Square, we're trying to spread the word far and wide, the Italian Bomb is back. Thousands of women, unable to get Italian Bomb during the war, will welcome this news with open arms, or I should say open hands, because they missed Italian Bomb. So many wrote and said, it never had an equal. I miss it more than I can say. I've tried to find a lotion that would do as much for my hands, but I can't. Yes, the Italian bomb made exactly as it was made before the war, including all of its original ingredients, is back in the stores again, ready to greet its millions of old friends. There it is, in its same green and white carton, just as it used to be. And mind you, it's priced just as it used to be also. Same quality, same quantity, same pre-war price. Just 25 and 50 cents and a dollar a bottle. So do this for us, will you please? Help us tell all of Italian Bomb's old friends that their old favorite hand lotion is back again. They'll rejoice once more in the swift, sure way that Italian Bomb helps protect skin against dryness and chaffing. They'll cheer to have again the lotion that's so rich, so good, so economical, that just one drop will serve both hands. Grand is in that state. Why don't she open it up? 
Uh, you wouldn't give us no double cross now, would you, Betty? Oh, of not, dear. But uh, half of that money in the briefcase belongs to the seller, and and, and oh dear, here you go. That ain't him. This guy don't even look like the killer. Hi, Papa. These martinis go there, Oh yeah, yeah. These are them. Boys, shake hands with the killer. Hey, you sick, Betty? You don't even sound like you. Don't she talk like this all the time? Certainly not. She talks better than me, even. So, I've been double crossed. All right, get the hands off and take my. Look out, he's got a gun. What'd you think he had in his pocket? Gumdrop. That's the killer, all right, Earl. You see that quick draw? Yeah. No, 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 please, gentlemen. Let us all keep our heads. I can swim. Five a second. A special friend for me. You know, I am very disappointed in you, Betty. Who was the professor guy if he wasn't a killer? He tried to tell you, Duke. He's Professor Algernon Ridge. And he talks like that all the time? All the time and frequently. Okay, sister. Now put their rods in your face and get off my briefcase. My car. I don't say as much else I can do. No, not as far. Martin, he ain't gonna like this killer. He wants to slip. Nah, but he's gonna get it. I just ain't taking no chances, see? Open her up. I don't see why you're in such a hurry to open it. W- wouldn't you all maybe like a cup of tea first? The cabbage first, if you don't mind, Betty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you open it up, sister, and dump the dough out on the desk. There's been enough boners already. Boners? Oh, dear. Well, here goes. What the? What are you carrying a old soup boner around for? Maybe, uh... A little black market meat business on the side, eh, killer? Uh, uh, give me that cake. Uh, what? Uh, and shake and... Hey, look at them nice red striped shorts. Hey, very pretty. This ain't my cake. Maybe there's been a little mistake. Maybe your cake got slipped to someone else. Oh, and I thought we were friends, Betty. Hey, uh, what is a nice funeral report, Doyle? You can't come in here, any of you, and I'll be you. I know the professor has found that money in the case I gave him. He'll call the police and they'll be here any minute. And, and... Oh, Betty. Uh, are you all right, Betty? Oh, yes, yes, I'm all right, Algernon, you but you came just in time. That man is the real killer. Ah, indeed. You, sir, with the firearm. Now, never mind that, Bud. Just hand over my briefcase. I shall do nothing of the kind, killer. Hey, Professor, this is no time for words. Do like the man says before the cops get there. Cops, you? You did call the police, didn't you, Algernon? Well, it did occur to me when I opened the briefcase in the cab and saw that money, but I was in such a hurry to get... Yo, it looks like you can put that rod away. The Professor's a good egg. I like him. Okay, okay, Bob. You fork over that 20 grand, see? There'll be a couple of bucks that are for you. Protect your mouth, son. There's no use trying to bribe me, killer. You've caused me quite enough embarrassment as it is. What if I had said to Dr. Small, thank you for the loan of your tibia, Doctor. I am returning it to you in perfect shape. And then... Yeah, yeah, go on. Suppose, Duke, I had opened my briefcase and out tumbled this big stack of dirty money. Say, that'd be... What am I saying? Twenty grand wouldn't embarrass me, I mean. There's nothing wrong with that, Joe. Except you still got it. I am referring to a moral principle, killer. This polluted pelt must be returned to its rightful owners. Mm, Okay, Bob. You're asking. Uh, uh, hold it, killer. Never mind the gap. We'll take it from a nice and gentle. Okay, I'll. It'll be a pleasure to. Please, Algernon, give them the case before you get hurt. I'm warning you, gentlemen. I don't like violence, but if you provoke me, I'll not be responsible. We'll take that chance. You take it from the other side, Duke. Right. 
Come one step farther, either of you, and I'll split you like a couple of infinitives. Now, now, Professor, this makes us more than a dose you. Grab him, Moyle. I warn you. You can you do the way they crashed into the wall in the tube. Yes, yes, I, I used to teach jiu-jitsu during the war, but I prefer zoology infinitely. Algernon, Miss Gillis. Uh, don't worry, sister. I got no idea Tangon was him. Uh, I'll just hang on to my girl now. I got it back. He picked up the case and you dropped it, Algernon. You better return it, Gillis. I've known broken bones to result in jiu-jitsu. Bones? Good heavens, betting my tibia. I forgot what's happened to it. It's on the desk in far less danger than we are. The killer has a gun, remember? Oh, that reminds me. So do I. Don't move, killer. Why, you Watch right. your language. There's a lady present. I take his weapon from his pocket like a good girl, Betty. First is the word, Algernon, and I'm getting very good at it, I must say. Now, the money, please, killer. Okay. Okay. Let the guy like you get a rod. I took it from Miss Herbert earlier in the day. She thought I was you at the time. Uh... By the way, Betty, when you held me up this morning, did you know this gun wasn't loaded? That gun ain't loaded? I know, I just... Betty, what are you doing? (laughs) That was a very lovely vase, Betty. Why did you break it over his head? Oh, Algernon, you idiot. You told him the gun wasn't loaded. Oh, so I did. How remiss of me. Betty? Dear, I've made up my mind. Yes? Yes. I do need someone to look after me. Are you looking for beauty, domesticity, or perspicacity? <clears throat> Please don't be polysyllabic at a time like this. Listen, Bert, you said you could catch that sort of thing from the people you associate with. And don't try to change the subject by ending your sentence with a preposition. What was the subject, Bert? So nuts. I'm trying to tell you I love you. That's the first sensible thing I ever heard you say. Will you... Marry me, Cookie. Maybe. Come here, boy. Closer. Put your arms around me. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know what to do next? Ooh. <laughs> you love me more than your horrid old Sibia. Sibia? Okay, but I'll marry you. And this, ladies and gentlemen, the end of an exciting Broadway premiere. This party of Mr. Lillian calling to the audience. The first night is assuming on a real ovation. As the echoes of our vintage radio dramas fade into the ether, we find ourselves reflecting on the Chinese gong and a wolf with sheepskin. Did you enjoy them? I particularly liked the wolf with sheepskin, mainly because it had a comedic flair to it. Through the masterful storytelling of Arch Obler, though, we have traversed realms of superstition, deception, and the primal depths of human fear. And as we bid farewell to these tales, let us carry with us the lesson they impart The reminder that even in the darkest of times, courage can be found in the face of the unknown, and truth can emerge from the shadows of deceit, and all the while having a good laugh too. Listeners, legends, thank you for joining me in the annals of Vintage Radio, and speaking of legends, I want to thank my amazing patrons that support me in this podcast every single month. If you want to support me, visit my Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash 
SFGT, where you can support me for as much as a coffee or tea per month, which means you get 320 kilobytes of ultra quality audio, and you also get each episode a week early. I don't run advertisements and never will, so rest assured your support goes to a good place, the production of each episode. Now, firstly, I want to thank, with my boundless gratitude, my God-tier patron, the Celestial Tea-dwelling Conjurer, the Odenite Titan himself, Matto Star. Matto, your kindness and unwavering support, both as a patron and as a friend are truly unparalleled. Thanks to you, significant overhead costs are covered, plugins are required, and yes, even indulgences like my beloved TWGT are made possible. Thanks to you. Your presence puts a radiant smile on my face, and your support is simply irreplaceable. I'll be reaching out to you again, Legend, to see how you're doing as well, as I know you were ill previously. Thank you for being the epic pal that you are, Matto, and you'll hear from me soon, man. And to my two white tea warlords, Lezer von Awesome Source, the utterly fantastic and supremely brilliant Lezer von Mazing, Lezer, your relentless loyalty and constant kindness every month are, like you, very special. What else is unmatched is your dedication in decimating armies of boredom and putting up the white tea flag of liberty. Your support means the world to me, man, and it's a pleasure to know someone as remarkable as you. Thank you immensely for your ongoing support, Lesser. You are a legend. And my second white tea warlord, let me extend a colossal thank you to the illustrious Joseph Schroeder, who ascended to the esteemed white tea warlord tier not too long ago. Joseph, your generosity knows no bounds. And it's thanks to patrons like you that upgrades like Via, the AI tool that helps me shrink back noise and improve quality are made possible to be used on this podcast, which, yes, was used in today's episode to tweak each vintage episode just that bit more. Your support fuels every aspect of this show, and for that, I'm profoundly grateful. Thank you, Joseph. You're brilliant. Now, let's raise our teacups to my amazing Grain forces, the fearless defenders against the nefarious forces of boredom. I am blessed to have this formidable squad. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Sunshine Days, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffaele, Michelangelo Yacone, divided by zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Paige Kramer, Jane Gumnick, Michael Krupp, Jandy Prinz, and Seductive Smiles. Cheers to you, you magnificent legends you. Never doubt the sheer awesomeness that you lovely folks bring into this world and to me. Thank you so much. Now, brew your tea, make it just right. Flavouring precise, a pure delight. Like tales and books, let it flow, guiding us where old fables go. Stories bind us hand in hand, in a world of wonder we stand. Old audio and nostalgic refrain, reminding us of how we've changed. So stay a while, lend an ear, let the stories draw you near. And as the end draws nigh, Hope to see you again. Bye and bye. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next Monday, Legends. Catch ya.